Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Showed up early tonight in the prayer room, so grateful for that. Amen again. I was, all of everybody wasn't out here this morning, but uh, out of the thing that I seen from uh, last year, something that was an accomplishment that we looked at last week was prayer and something that people envisioned for the future was prayer. And so I told them that that's something that we didn't need money for, a committee for, or anything like that. That's something we can do right now. And so uh, thankful for those that showed up for prayer. Amen tonight. Hallelujah, that you took it upon yourself just to go in there and have a time of prayer with God. Exodus chapter number 30, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 in your hearing this evening. Good to see, amen, Jennifer here tonight, amen, and all the different ones that are here this evening that i uh, taken notice of. So glad to have you here in the house of the Lord, amen. And so here we are, and, and it's, it's cooler outside, so I advise you to sit closer to your neighbor when you come to church so you'll be warm. Amen. Amen. Another thing that we can probably do real soon, Brother McBroom is putting those cords on the back pews. That doesn't take much. We can probably do that to shift everybody forward. That's something else. I'll probably go to the store tomorrow. We can get that fixed by Wednesday. And uh, we'll just make you more compacted. Hallelujah. Uh, and then if you don't like to move, well, I'm sorry. You'll have to. You'll have to. If you go across my line, we will have an officer here to arrest you. And uh, so we need to, amen, consider that. Amen. Don't you love your brothers and your sisters in the Lord? Amen. Exodus 30, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shidom wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be. And two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. The horns thereof shall be of the same. If you allow me just a little space of time tonight. We, I know last, last uh, Sunday I held you all long. So I'm going to probably make it up to you this Sunday by holding you short term. Amen. It always works like that. Whenever I heard that Brother Mason, whenever he was here this past Wednesday, he's, he's, he, uh, he intended to probably just be here just about 30 minutes. And I understand he was just about that. And he talked to me before uh, he left the funeral home. He said, I'm probably going to make some people happy tonight. He said, you are? He said, yeah. He said, because I think I'm going to have maybe about 30 minutes in me. I said, well, go make them happy. Go make them happy. Amen. And so uh, that might be me here this evening. But I want to talk to us tonight about the horns of the altar. The horns of the altar. Verse 2 says, the horns thereof shall be of the same. The horns of the altar. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. God, I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, God, for being able to be here. God, there's various other places I could be this evening. God, by my choosing and not by my choosing, God, I could be places, Lord, other than here. But I'm grateful, Lord, that this Lord Jesus church house is open for me to come and to worship and praise you tonight. I pray, oh God, let your word speak. 
God, let it not be my voice, Lord, per se. God, or words, Lord, that I put together, but we need to hear the voice of heaven, Lord, for tonight, God, and for those that are gathered here this evening. Lord Jesus, speak to us, Lord, today, God, for the Spirit speaketh expressively, the Word says. God, and I want to hear, God, what it's saying or what it's conveying in this place. God, and I'll not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. The horns, the horns of the altar. The writer in Hebrews, which most suspect to be the Apostle Paul, the writer of Hebrews said it like this. He said, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, meaning that the law did not necessarily have the very substance of those things, but it was just a shadow of good things that were coming. It meant that Many of the items of the Old Testament law were basically shadows that were being cast by things that were still yet coming, still yet approaching and not quite there in entirety. Among those things that are mentioned through the word of the Lord, there is still yet pictured in the tabernacle. And that's a piece that I read to you of in verses 1 and 2 of Exodus 30, that among those things there was still yet pictured in the tabernacle, a piece of furniture that was a shadow of something that was to come, or at least something that we would be more acquainted with in the New Testament scripture. That piece of furniture was known as the golden altar or the altar of incense. What we would come to see it as being the substance of in the New Testament scripture was was prayer. It was prayer that was being illustrated in the Old Testament but would come to the deepest of understandings in the New Testament. It isn't there wasn't any prayer in the Old Testament. We know all men of old, it seemed like, cried out to God, made their petition and their altars even unto the Lord and sacrifices at their, those altars and had interchange with heaven at those places of altar. So it wasn't that there wasn't any prayer in the Old Testament because there was. But the shadow that was cast in this tabernacle piece of furniture, the golden altar, otherwise known as the altar of incense, was going to further define, if you will, the parameters of prayer that we would grow accustomed to in the New Testament scripture. Moses said this in verse number one. He said, and thou shalt make an altar. But the question is, but to what end should an altar be made? In other words, what should be the purpose of this particular altar? And he doesn't leave us there in question. He says, that shall make an altar to burn incense upon, he said. And so it goes to reason tonight, an altar without incense is an altar lacking in purpose. He says, because you're to make it for the purpose of burning incense upon. And so if there's no incense upon it, then it is not fulfilling its purpose. In other words, it might be called a golden altar, but it can't be called an altar of incense unless there's incense involved. He said, there must be incense upon it. To understand what the incense is, the Bible doesn't leave us over in left field. The psalmist David said in Psalms 141 and verse number two, he said, let my prayer, everybody say prayer. He said, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. In other words, prayer is as, David said, 
incense. Incense, according to the scriptures, was prepared. Incense was tempered together. Incense was known to be pure. It was known to be holy. They even beat incense into small portions and small particles. And incense held a smell like none other whenever it was offered on the altar of incense. Incense, the Bible says, was for the Lord. And incense was offered upon the altar and prayer is offered upon the altar. Zacharias in the New Testament scripture, he's fulfilling his office, amen, in his role and function of being a priest in that day. He's serving in his course. He's serving during his time. He's coming before the Lord and in his office, what's allotted to him at this period of time is that he is to be the priest that is burning incense before the Lord when he goes in to the, the temple and the Bible says that the voice of the Lord has been silent now for generations there has been no voice of the Lord there has been no word from God the visions of heaven have become very dim there's nothing taking place there's nothing occurring nothing seemingly has happened for about 400 years there's just silence that's constantly filling the pages if you will of scripture but the Bible tells us that in this moment there is a connection a connection between the altar of incense that Zacharias is serving at, a connection between that and prayer. The Bible says this man, Zacharias, steps forward to the altar of incense, and this man offers incense on this altar. And as he prayed, the Scripture says, the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense so there's a connection between what he's doing offering the incense on the altar and there's prayer even taking place in the outer court by all the multitude during the time of incense because as David said he said my prayer should be as incense unto the Lord there was a connection and the Bible says breaking 400 years of silence that the angel of the Lord apparition appeared unto Zacharias shows up and says as he's offering incense for thy prayer Prayer has been heard. We see the connection over and over again in the New Testament scripture. You can turn to the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, the connection is denoted again, if I may read in your hearing. The Bible says in Revelation 8 and verse number 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him the angel much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar. That's the one I spoke of in Exodus 30, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Again, here is incense being related to the prayers or being with in conjunction with the prayers of the people. The smoke of the incense is arising along with the prayers of the people. There is a connection then between this golden altar of incense and our life of prayer. Between the incense that is offered up upon this altar and prayer as David related to us. And so with that being in mind tonight, I believe it's important it's easily said among a group of people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost in prayer and that is this we need not underestimate the place or the effectiveness of prayer in our lives first consider the place tonight in the tabernacle of Moses in the tabernacle of Moses as you got closer to the Ark of the Covenant 
as you got closer to that mercy seat that was upon the ark and the holiest of holies, as you came closer and made your way closer, the materials in the tabernacle got more expensive. You started out in the outer court with brass, but you get in the holies of holies and there's gold everywhere. And it seems to be as its position that the golden altar of incense was immediately in front of the veil, dividing the holy place from the holies of holies. In other words, the only thing that separated the altar of incense from the Ark of the Covenant, which was revered as the very presence of God, the only thing that separated it was the veil. With that understanding tonight, then we understand this, that this piece of furniture, the golden altar of incense, this piece of furniture and its purpose of burning incense was the nearest piece to the almighty presence of God. Out of everything else that was in there, the laver, the brazen altar, the shoe bread, the lampstand, it's this piece that is nearest to the almighty presence of God than anything else. I said that to say this, that if that's where the incense is placed, if that's where the aroma ascends up to heaven, if that's what David said, my prayer is as incense, then I'll tell you confidently tonight that our places of prayer, wherever they may be physically, whether it's a bathroom, a closet, or whether it is your laundry room, church pew, or recline or wherever your place of prayer is when you pray when you offer that incense you are the closest to heaven you are the closest to the presence of God through and by your mode of prayer amen by prayer the measurement of the altar of incense is quite smaller than most of the other pieces of furniture in the tabernacle it's the smallest piece whenever you talk about surface area. It's quite quaint. But although it is the smallest piece of furniture that's among all the others, it is also the tallest piece of furniture among all the others. It didn't have the same surface area as every other thing, but it was taller than any other piece of furniture because burning incense was an elevated matter. Burning incense was a high matter. Burning incense was an exalted matter. And I'm here to tell you today that that thing being taller than any other the piece of furniture should denote to us the importance of prayer then in the life, the burning of incense in the life of the believer. It is still an elevated matter. It is still a high matter. It is still an exalted matter. Someone say amen. Honey, if it's a place where you're the nearest to the presence, then it is a high, exalted, worthy to be uplifted matter, a place of prayer. Someone say Amen. Leonard Ravenhill in his book entitled Why Revival Tarries, he said this. He said, Jesus said, go ye. He said, but he also said, tarry until. <laughs> huh? You know where Jesus said, go ye in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, right? Go ye, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, right? Go ye, go ye. But he also said, tarry until what? He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Folks, we need to be careful lest we go when we've not tarried. Lest we go when we have not tarried. Because it was the seven day prayer meeting that empowered the one day camp meeting. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. 
Someone say amen. And so we got to learn to tarry, amen, before we go. Before we go and play on the platform, we need to tarry and pray. Before we go and teach our Sunday school classes, we need to tarry and pray. Before we go and sing a special, we need to tarry and pray. Before we exit this building and be a witness, we need to tarry and pray. Before we go, we need to tarry. Yes. Prayer is a high exalted matter. It's place near nigh the presence of the Lord. The importance and the effectiveness of prayer must have been known by Solomon, the son of David. Because he states he's making a dedication prayer unto the Lord. He has spent the last seven seven years or so of his life superintending the building of the temple of God. All of its embellishment and ornateness, if that is such a word. All of the grandeur of this. And he states in 1 Kings 8 and verse 27 this. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? I mean, we just made, we've invested years of our life to make this this holy place. This beautiful building, this great place. Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee how much less this house that I have built it in other words Solomon is here and he has some uncertainties about whether or not God is going to visit the house that he had built he's wondering whether or not God we we got a lot invested a lot of money a lot of of, if I'm saying modern terms we got a lot of bling here is God going to come down and visit this place I mean the heavens can't contain him Surely my house can't contain him. So there's a little notion of uncertainty in Solomon's mind whether or not God would grace this most ornate temple, this most embellished temple with his presence. If he would come down into a building and do this when the heavens could not even contain him. And then when he gets done with this uncertainty and this questioning and wondering if God would, he says in verse 28, yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant. You know what he's saying? I don't know if God would ever come by this building. I don't know if God would ever be impressed with the gold and the silver and all the embellishment and the ornateness. I don't know if God would ever come down and visit this place. But there's one thing I know that God will not despise. There's one thing I know that God will not turn his head away. God, if thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant. In other words, if the building don't get his attention, perhaps the prayer that comes from the building. He said if the gold won't impress God, perhaps the prayer of the servants of God will impress God. (laughs) He says, yet thou thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant. To respect means to turn or to face or to regard. He says, I don't know. I don't know, God, if you'll come down to this temple. I don't know. You you know, heaven can't even contain you. But wait a minute. You have respect unto the prayers. 
you have respect unto the prayers of your people. Hallelujah. He says, so God, if you don't have respect to the building, you'll have respect to the prayer. Folks, I'm telling you, you want the attention of God. It's not about how, how pricey the drywall is on the walls. It's not about how pricey the carpet is. But if people will go to praying, God has to turn and face you. God has to turn and acknowledge you. God has to turn and take notice of you. Someone say amen. amen. He knew that God could not and would not refuse his prayer. God respected it. God turned toward it. God faced it. It wasn't so much God had regard to the man as much as God had regard to the prayer of the man. Prayer provokes the attention of God. Solomon knew the building might not do it. But if we get to praying, if we get to praying, he said that will do it. He understood the effectiveness of prayer. Because Solomon lived in a generation whenever he believed and they believed that prayer was very much a part of the answer that you needed for your life. Someone say amen. If you look at his prayer, if you look at the words of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter number 8, when he's talking about if the Lord will come down, if he'll pay attention, but he won't refuse the prayer of his servant. If you look at that, you'll see what Solomon believed in. And I'm just paraphrasing here for you tonight because there are several, several verses that contain all of this. But this is basically what Solomon said. He said, if a man trespass against his neighbor, pray. When smitten before the enemy because of sin, pray. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain, pray. If there be famine, pestilence, or sickness, pray. When strangers and foreigners come, what he's saying, when people that, that are not Jews are interested in what we got, he said pray. If people go to battle, pray. If any man sin, pray. You know what Solomon understood? The effectiveness of prayer. He says it doesn't matter if it's sickness, disease, pestilence, a, a battle, an enemy sin, or somebody that wants to be born again. What we must do, what we need to do is that high exalted matter. We need to pray because we're never near to God. We and we're a praying people. Someone say amen. I got 10 minutes. Pray. He says though. Now I'm getting to my message. He says though. I heard that sister Sheila. Uh-huh. The horns thereof shall be of the same. The horns thereof shall be of the same. The New Living Bible says it like this. With the horns at the corner carved from the same piece of wood as the altar itself. The New American the New American version says it like this. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. The God's word, trans I'm not going through them all. The God's word translation, he said, there it goes 10 minutes, says this. The horns and altar must be made out of one piece, in parentheses, 
of wood. The horns shall be made of the same. See, folks, there is this underlying concept that the horns are part of the altar. You don't separate the horns from the altar because there's of the same piece, the same material of the altar. In other words, the horns were not merely separate parts that you attached and detached at will. The horns were protrusions. The horns were extensions of the altar. The horns were not made separately. It's not like the craftsman Moses was dictated by God. Now Moses, I want you to make the horns. And when you get them done, I want you to use a good strong adhesive and put it at the four corners of the altar. No, 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 no. He's saying, Moses, here is a piece of wood. And as you're carving out the altar, so likewise you carve out the horns that are on the four corners of the altar. They're all of the same piece. In other words, you, you, you if you get an altar, you get the horn. You, you get the altar, you get the horns. In other words, uh, Moses, if you offer incense on top of that thing, uh, there's the altar, there's the little crown the Bible speaks of around there, and it's there, but there's also the horns. When you lay your incense down, there's the horns that's all around because it's made of all the same piece, the same material. What are the altars made of? That's what the horns are made of. It's not a separate piece. You didn't have to glue them on, fix them on, screw them on. They are of the same. The Hebrew relays it like this, that they are of the same piece or that the source and the origin of the horns was the altar. The source and the origin of the horns was the altar. Same material? Yes. But even more importantly, serving in the same purpose for the burning for the burning of incense that David said, my prayer is as incense. Everybody doing all right? You just give me just a little bit of time. I got six. Just give me a little bit of time. Horns throughout the word of God. Horns throughout scripture. We see that they relate to, that they identify with different things throughout the word of God. But mostly, Horns throughout scripture have some type, no matter how far the branches of the, the tree seem to spear off left and right, they all seemingly come back to one trunk. And that seemingly is the horns that are upon the head of animals. Seems somehow, however far you go, and they tangent off this way and that way, they all trace back to this, this trunk, this main idea of the horns that came from animals. You'll read in Scripture that the Bible speaks at various places in God's Word that whenever a priest or a prophet that was anointed for their placement or anointed for their, their row in the kingdom, that oftentimes the Bible even speaks of Samuel over David, that he brought with him a horn of oil. That's a horn that's an animal's horn that was filled with oil that that horn was nothing more but a container for the anointing oil that would be placed upon a high priest or placed upon a prophet or a person but it came from an animal and they would carve out the inside of that horn and hew out that soft bone that dead bone that's in there and fill that thing with oil and it would become a tool for the transportation and the pouring out 
if you will, of the anointing upon whoever it was to go upon. You also read in Scripture, the Bible talks about them going forth and marching in alignment and having celebrations. And many times there'd be priests, or it could be even others, that would blow upon something called a ram's horn. A ram's horn. And it would give a sound. It, it was a musical instrument, if you will. And they would put their lips to that, that thing. And there would be a hole in the end there. I'm kind of off key with my ram's horn. I'm trying to get adjusted here and tuned just right. But, you know, it'd be a, and it all came, though, from an animal, a ram's horn. And so music, music, an instrument of you, music was associated with, with the horn. But, but even greater than that, we understand the horns of an animal all throughout Scripture denote the power. The power of an animal was seen to be resident within his horns. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Habakkuk, not to, to, to back, uh, but Habakkuk. That the Bible says in, in chapter 3 and verse number 4 that God was seen as horns coming out of his hand and there was the hiding of his power. As horns coming out of his hand. And so they're associated with power. Horns. Everybody say horns. Power. Now, now just walk with me a little bit. It's this good time of year that people's about ready to climb trees and sit down for a while and look for the big one. But there is a distinction between horns and antlers. Just, just stay with me. Josh is over there just shaking his head. Yeah, buddy, that's right. There's a distinction between horns. Because horns upon an animal that bears horns, horns are permanent. Antlers are not. So one walk with me a little bit. With purpose, the Bible said that there were horns on the altar, not antlers on them. Antlers are made of dead bone. Everybody say dead. Made of dead bone. But horns are living extensions that come from the skull. That stay with the animal for life. Someone say amen. If a horn breaks off, it will not grow from that little nubby tip. As a matter of fact, being live bone, it will start to bleed. As a matter of fact, you've got to watch it if a horn breaks off. Because if it continues to bleed, there might be enough complications that could, if you will, jeopardize the whole life of the beast. Someone say amen. <laughs> but the horns, he said, are of the same concerning the altar. I just want to relay something to you here tonight of the things that we see in Scripture that the horns were the containers for the anointing oil that would be placed over people's heads. That the horns, if you will, were connected to the musical instrumentation that people would blow in celebration and in worship. And that horns was denoting power. The horns then were where the power of the animal was manifested. The horns then is where uh, the instrumentation of music took place. The horns were the containers of the anointing oil. Can someone say amen? I can't but believe Bishop that whenever there were horns that were constructed upon the altar they were made of the same that I understand this very well tonight that whenever we talk about power whenever we talk about power our power our
our horn, if you will, of power is connected and of the saying to the altar called prayer. What are you saying then, Brother McGee? You can't detach power from prayer. You can't have a little horn of power over here and say, I got it going. Honey, you don't get that unless you got the altar. You don't get that horn unless you have the incense on an altar of Honey, there's a lot of fake junk out there. People propagating as power that's not power because power only comes through prayer. If you're going to have that horn stationary and an existence in the church, it's made of the same. It's attached to something and it's called prayer. So would say yes. There's not a t- enough talent we can conjure in this building to get a powerful music song or a powerful chorus or powerful preaching. Honey, it only comes by one thing. It's made of the self saying that the altar is where the incense is laid. If we got power, it's because we got prayer. Yes. One of three things, power, music, or a container for the anointing. See, we're not talking, we're not talking about the brazen altar. The brazen altar, you see it maybe once in scripture where they tied the beast to the horns. This is the altar of incense. Nothing's being tied to it. Nothing's going on there. They are there. They are present because they are made of the self-same stuff the altar is. They're there because the altar's there. They are there because the altar is there. I'll tell you what our music needs. You know what our music needs? Prayer. We want a ram's horn to blow around here. We need it to be made of the self-same stuff. Of the altar. The horns were there. Because the altar was there. And the altar was called what it was called. Because it was serving its purpose. And its purpose was burning incense. It would just be another piece of wood with gold overlaying it. If it didn't have incense. But it entered into the realm of a function and operation. When incense, and David said, that's my prayer, was laid upon it. Someone say amen. Horns. Just talking about horns. Horns again, one of the other things. What, a container for the anointing. We need something that can be put over our heads and poured out upon heads. We need some type of container that can transfer the anointing in every service and everything we do. He said the horns are only there because they're made of the self-same stuff the altar is. And the altar is only there for one purpose and that is for the burning of the incense. What are you saying? I'm saying if I want the anointing in our church services, if I want the anointing in my life, if I need the power in my life, it all is connected to prayer. I want to get that in somebody's mind tonight that you cannot separate the anointing, you cannot separate the power from the altar. That is where it comes from. It's made of the self-same stuff. Someone say amen. Horns of the altar. Now get this. I'm already over my time. Someone's backlashing me right now. Take three minutes off the clock and add it back to me now. I won't hold you much longer. Much. It's an operative word. Go to midnight. 
You wouldn't stay with me. You'd fall asleep. The altar, the golden altar of incense. Listen to me. And I will. I'm sincerely. I'm coming to a close. The golden altar of incense. Overlaid with gold. No doubt a beautiful craftsmanship of a man being dictated by God on how to create this. Beautiful, beautiful. Listen to me. But whenever the golden altar of incense was in transit, when they were going from one place to another, you know, before the Levites even went in there then, those that were responsible had to cover the golden altar of incense with a couple of coverings and then slide those stays through the rings that were on the side and they would carry that thing. So the altar of incense, whenever it was in transit, Whenever it was mobile, let me state it like this. When it was not being used, you hearing me? When it was not being used, you couldn't see its beauty. When it wasn't being used, you couldn't see its beauty. The only time the beauty of the altar of incense was seen is when it was functioning and operating as it should be functioning and operate what are you saying i'm saying this the beauty of prayer in your life the beauty of prayer to you is totally unseen whenever prayer isn't operating yeah do not scoff at the subject matter of prayer if you never pray because you'll never see the beauty you'll never know the power you'll never experience the anointing of it if you don't operate in it but as long as it was stationed right there before the presence and incense was being thrown on top and smoke was arising anybody would be able to see the intricacy of the gold overflowing the wood and the horns because it was in operation so what I challenge you tonight is this put the altar of incense in operation so that its beauty can be known both here and abroad hallelujah by the power that we exercise with by the anointing that we exercise with because it will make the difference I told you this morning you can stand with me I told you this morning I challenge you I challenge you to get back to some good old fashioned prayer and you, you might, you, and let me give it a little bit of time because the enemy of your soul isn't going to like it. Give it a little bit of time if it feels like the first few times you go back at it that it seems like you're praying against a wall. Nothing's happening. Nothing's taking place. See, pastor is all wrong. There's nothing going on because that is exactly what will happen. If you decide you don't get down to business, that's exactly what's going to happen. The adversary of your soul is going to fight you tooth and nail concerning that. But if you stay consistent with it, you keep going with it, I guarantee you there's going to come a time all of a sudden the protrusion of the horn of power and anointing is going to come and go, hold on, wait a minute. There's something to this thing called prayer and there is mountains have been moved by it the dead has been brought back to life by it circumstances all throughout God's word have been changed by it amen I want to stay connected to the horns of the altar oh I want to be a powerful church then you got to be a praying church I want to be anointed church I want to be anointed teacher in my classroom then you got to be a praying teacher in your classroom 
I want to be a witness for the Lord. Well, again, Terry, before you go. Go witness for the Lord. Come see our power. Come see. Come see the anointing. But that will only be seen if we're functioning in the venue of prayer. Hallelujah. If we bow our heads all over this place today. God, the horns of the altar. God, power and anointing. God, every aspect of the church. God is influenced and affected by it. Solomon understood its effectiveness and its importance so much that over all these different, these different scenarios that he mentioned in Scripture, he included in there praying. He said, I don't know if God's going to come down here upon this house, but I know that he will, he will, he will regard and he will consider prayer. If it seems like it's been a while since you've heard from heaven or it seems like it's been a while since you've had the attention of heaven, I challenge you tonight, just go to a place of prayer. Just go to a place of prayer. You'll have the attention of God. You'll have the attention of God. Just open your lips and let a few syllables run over your lips to God in prayer. Put that incense, if you will, upon the altar. Let it serve the purpose that it was put in place for. Let the incense arise from there that David said was my prayer. God, I'm going to let that rise. I'm going to let that sweet savor arise into the nostrils of God. I'm going to get the attention of heaven. Hallelujah. By my prayer. God, if it's not me showing up, God, maybe it will be me opening my lips and having in conversation with you God that you will turn your face toward me that you will regard me you will look down upon me I want to be a church I'm telling you I want to be a church that's noticed by heaven amen who cares if anybody else notices but let's be a church that's noticed by heaven let's be a praying church let's be a praying church oh let the meditation let the meditation of your heart and your lips let there be some fruit of your lips that would go forth that the new testament scripture speaks of let that fruit be acceptable in the sight of god i want to be a praying church an anointed church a powerful church god if we get that altar and we put the incense on it the horns just come with it the horns is a package deal a part of it they can't be detached from it lord they're a part of it they're an extension of it they're a living extension of it god we need that power god we need that anointing god we need to be near that presence and it comes by prayer. These altars are open tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.